started messing around with like, okay. So I started making things, right? So this is, I turned a minibus into a transformer. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> That was artists Botik Joshi and David Brooks. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Every week on this podcast, you'll hear from artists, dancers, bartenders, and other San Franciscans telling stories and responding to the question, what is it about this place? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 5, Part 2. In Part 1, Botik and David talked about how they met. In this episode... They discuss some of the changes going on in their neighborhood, Potrero Hill. From there, they reflect on how the city has changed over the last several years, and they suggest one way to make San Francisco a better place for everyone. Here's Botik and David. Well, the, they're putting up, uh, they put up a proposal for like um, paid parking. Yes. Uh, and uh, what are those, those lettered license things? Yes. Yeah, so... That's kind of bonkers. We, we, we kind of got... I mean, we don't have a car. Yeah. So we're lucky, right? Yeah. Um, but for all of our neighbors, it's it's real rough. It's insane. Yeah. And it's just... They, they go, oh, you don't like these trucks here? How about some motivation? Pay us money to b- live here some more. Like, they did it... Because yeah. they did it in the design district, too. No kidding. I used to live there. Right. And it was, you know, heard people snickering. I can, I can like, literally feel the energy change because I hear people just, like, talking crap about me. I hate this. And then then they were like, oh, well, how about you guys get four-hour parking? And then now you can get tickets all the time at your job. Yeah. You know? And then after we had to get kicked out, vandalism, graffiti everywhere. Um, people just don't get it. They don't, they don't get it. They just see, like, if there's something weird that happens... Like some, I'm, the biggest issue that all, most of the time it happens would be like people that live in like those boxes or like junkies and stuff will do something weird and then they yeah. associate us with them, and then that is you know misunderstanding. They're busy. They're working eight hours a day. They got lives, and then they got like you know they just see us for a moment and decide uh, something shorthand, and then it is they know that's what it is now, and then they're gonna you know sign up for whatever sort of uh, thing they think will solve the problem. It's just, you know, it is what it is. I'm okay with it. I've, I didn't, like, my friend was trying to tell me, like, oh, let's fight this. I was like, it's not going to change anything. Like, they're just still going to do it anyway. Yeah. Um, I, I know a guy lives up the hill. And he talks about how, like, he can't park by his house. You know, he has to, like, go, like, a few blocks away. And, like, like who wants that? Like, who I mean, really? Yeah. The, like, the parking issue where it is right now is because there's a giant condo, where they and they blocked off two blocks where no one can park there anymore. Yeah. And then people will blame us instead of, like, you know, nonstop construction. Yeah. And, it, like, it's really weird. <laughs> I think well, we can look out the window and see, yeah. like, what, two or three things being built? Or yeah. that, that thing, that place is about to be built into something, yeah, I'm right. sure. Yeah, yeah, that, that's going to turn into condos. There's yeah. There's a lot of startups that have moved into this space as sort of like uh, space in the rest of the city mm-hmm. gets more scarce. I had this peculiar moment where uh, we go up on the hill to do trick-or-treating, right? Huge thing for my daughter. Like, you know, Halloween, biggest night of the year, right? If you're, if you're under 10, definitely biggest night of the year. So we're up, on, um, we're up on Connecticut Street a few blocks up. And, you know, all the houses have got like, you know, all the shops have got their front doors open. There, you know, all, all the kids are sort of around, so like you know, running from house to house to house, and there's just this one spot where somebody's converted a shop into a startup, and there are all these dudes on laptops 
Yeah. Just not answering the door. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it was slightly surreal, yeah. you know? And it's kind of like, ah, you're in the neighborhood, be in the neighborhood, you know? And it's like, you know, there's nothing that, there's nothing that compelled, I don't want to tell them like, you have to do this. But I felt, in some ways I felt bad for them. And it's kind of like, here are the best years of your life. Here are all these people yeah. who want to connect with you, yet this is what you're doing. Incentives, you know? the incentives are too strong, you know. But it's not. I mean, like for you know, them, you, you, yeah. But there's a social incentive there, and it's all like I'm gonna I'm gonna work my ass off to make a bunch of money for another person, you know. Yeah. And there's this this there's this there's this false incentive that's there, and it's kind of like you can stop for a moment, you can breathe, and I just feel bad for that person because for a little while I was that person, right? And then you had a kid. It wasn't just that. I mean, like, I, 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 lucky for me, I had we had a good few years where, I guess, a large part to my wife. She helped me just, you know, she helped me sort of basically pull my head out of my ass and uh, like help me just sort of like experience the world as it is, you know. And it's like, you know, don't, you know, while you have your youth, while you have the ability to sort of like where you're not chained down take a time take the time to sort of experience the world and connect with people because at some point it will be gone yeah you know, and like you know photography was a large chunk of that for me right um you know when i was working at lucas i had friends there who uh took photos and uh you know i was very lucky i had a uh, you know i knew someone there who sort of mentored me in photography and i got going and i just gradually got more and more adventurous and I got super lucky because I fell in with a local photo community here, likely through actually a, a website who I ended up working for for a few years, Flickr. Fabulous community of photographers. And, you know, I went out on photo walks with them and I got to know people and I really sort of developed this love for street photography because it was a way of sort of like, wasn't just, I didn't know how long I was going to be here, right? And then this is, I mean, pardon me if you've heard this before, but like, you know, the, the story that I have there is is that I didn't know how long I was going to be in San Francisco. I still don't know how long I'm going to be here. And I thought, rather than just have a memory that I carry with me in my mind, I can go out there with a the camera and I could take it and I could look back at it in 10 years' time and see, this is San Francisco how it was. This is what it was like when I lived here. I remember when I was a kid, like, my, my dad took a lot of photos. And those events where he took photos, the, the memories of them to me are crystal clear, mm. you know? Even when I was, like, you know, five, six years old. And I want to carry that forward into the future. So... I had this opportunity to sort of get out into the world. But when I started doing street photography, I started, I, I, for a little while I did portraits of people. And I just take a portrait of anyone. Um, and it was a way of, you know, like bringing some of those walls down and... Very intimate. People. Yeah. yeah. And it sometimes, sometimes I just have, you know, I approach people and have a conversation with them. And I do that first. And I get to the end of it and I say, is it okay if I take your photo? Yeah good one third of the time they'd say no and you know what that was cool because how vibrant is that experience though you know like people that don't do photography you yeah. never go up and talk to random people and you're not gonna see like any of that like the like you know yeah. it's just like people just drive down the road and see buildings and objects that they can yeah. interact with or not yeah. and then they just keep going to their objective you know right. but like just talking to somebody and like you know, I mean I I'll do that now without a camera, right? Because the yeah, habit absolutely. has stayed, right? It's, yeah. it's about, but it's about, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like maybe it's like, you know, the left-right divide that we have in society. I don't know. But I feel like a lot of people are sort of driven by fear. 
not yeah. driven by fear, but you know, it, it's it's there under their skin all the time. And they see something they don't, they don't recognize that they can't comprehend, and their default reaction is to fear it. And it's kind of like, oh, man, you're missing out on so much. That's but, the story of my life in San Francisco. I know, right? <laughs> but the thing is, I don't know. Once you, once you can get past the other side of that, life is so much richer. But you need to be, you need to be okay with taking a risk. You need to be okay yeah. with not being. Frankly, not being so serious. You yeah, know? not yeah. being so not being so serious about yourself, not being so serious about the world, because it's not that scary. I don't know. It's it's. I don't it's know. just people. Exactly. I look. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a under the hood. I guess I'm a scientist, right? So I'm rational, right? And if you look at the rational risk the world pre- presents, it's nowhere near as scary as people think. Absolutely. Right. If but you're actually scared. People that want to hurt you will be more interested than you. Exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, like it's the worst move. But look, I mean, I'm to a certain degree, like, you know, I'm privileged, I'm lucky, right? Um, you know, I, I live very comfortably. I'm a guy, right? Um, there are lots of things that make my movement through the world very easy. And I don't want to sort of like presuppose about another, you know, I, I don't want to like get it come across as too judgy because like, you know, another person is going to have a unique set of experiences that maybe will put them in a space where they can't connect so well, you know? And I, I don't want to like, you know, I, I don't want to just write it off as like, you know, you're just fearful of the world, you need to be better. Maybe there is, you know, they, they, they could have something else that's going on with them that makes them that way. And those people that work at those offices, man, like, they can do more. And, yeah, and I know. <laughs> the thing is, it's like maybe hard for them. They're, in a, they're hired for a reason. They do a job. But I'm weary of all this powerful kind of technology and there's like these specialists and they don't understand life is not about, you know, specializing. You know, like you can invent something and it could destroy the world. You might want to look into like philosophy or something. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Like I, what's the effect on the world? Yeah, man. Instead of just like in theory all the time. No, I, I look, I, uh, I've had some intersection with that. And like, it, I, like I think art's a very good place yeah. to go yeah. to... to to round out your kind of worldview. Absolutely. But, you know, as far as, like, you know, how, how are people considering the consequences of the things they build? There are some people that at least try, you know. They, they, they make that effort because sometimes it's hard to, like, you make something and it's hard to understand, it's hard to predict what all the consequences are going to be because it's never been done before. But, you know, like, for example, like, okay, the thing that surprised me was that okay, you look at a company like Google, like legitimately, they hire philosophers and ethicists, right? To sort of try to sort of like examine the impact of what they're going to be doing. Now, is it, do they run it like a government where, for example, like, you know, they hire lots of bright advisors and then, you know, they just ignore the results, maybe. I mean, was there something where they like someone left because of some sort of implications of kind of sketchy like data collection or something? That, that happens all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, it's I, I like tons and tons and tons of examples across many companies, mm. right? Yeah. I mean, like it's one of those things where, like, you know, people will sound the alarm bell internally, but it's a question of like, you know, the people up the top are they ethically motivated? And I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think if you go to the top, it's it, I well. I think like the world set up, it's not even set up a certain way, but if you're like kind of like a person that will do anything to get something, you'll probably have more opportunities to get there than a person that has like, you know, limitations on oh, what absolutely. they're willing to do. Yeah. And then also, I mean, it's also a thing like, I don't know, but you know, in Australia, like I love this, this phrase and I think it's like spreading across the world. Not my problem. Not my problem, mate. 
Sorry. Yeah. Nah. Not my problem. Yeah. That stuff. That's a. There's a lot of that here. And also, like, uh, well, uh, if I didn't do it, someone else would have done it. You yeah. know? And the motive, the motivation. It, it's fine. I'm not. I don't think anybody should be some sort of like arbiter of you know, right and wrong. But yeah. I meet a lot of people in the tech industry, and they're just ice cold. Like, kind of um, people. Kind of like they just kind of like have these categories a lot. They they just chunk a lot of categories, and they want to like be like you're this thing, you're that thing. There's also a lot of people that are not like that, like yourself, but. Um, you're not gonna hurt anyone. <laughs> you're not gonna. I hope not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what I mean. So, I I always want to talk more. Like I have interest in yeah. doing like um artwork that interacts with people. Like I yeah. want to have a com- conversation or give people like the ability to like lift some like emotional weights. You know? Yeah. It's not like anything like you should stop doing this, but I just think people should try to go out, interact more with society and people. Yeah. And like feel so stuff. You know. Years ago, um, I was, uh, for a little while, like just a couple of months, my subject was Hayes Valley. I was fascinated by it. Yeah, Hayes Valley's cool. Right? And I was fascinated with how it was changing. I was fascinated with everything. This was before, like, you know, the shipping containers turned up. This was, this was while all of that was happening. Like, you know, while, while Patricia's Green was being overhauled and all of that. And uh, there was this really amazing wheat paste art that was going up and I was like who the hell is doing this and oh. I eventually yeah, okay. I eventually found the name of the artist um, <laughs> guy called Greed One and uh, I hung out with him I hung out with him for a little while like, really? I, yeah how did you find him? amazing uh, was it like he was an amazing person but how did I find him? Yeah. I, uh, I can't yeah, how remember. did you find him emotionally? I'm, amazing? <laughs> oh, yeah. yes but um, it was I didn't remember now. I think I may have just bumped into him in person. Or, no, I think I, 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 that's right. I saw his name on one of the pieces and I found him online and I, oh. him. I think I emailed him. Okay. Right? We ended up meeting up in person. We hung out a couple of times. Um, Good on you for doing that, man. I was fascinated. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, first of all, I really loved his work, right? But then I remember the conversation about why is it that he did it? You know, what was, he, what was it that he was trying to achieve with his art? And I thought that was fascinating, right? It was about Again, like, you know, it was about human connection. It was about communication. And the way he framed it was, like, you know, we hung out. I thought he was super extroverted. But he said that, like, you're at heart, he was an introverted person. He didn't like to have conversations with too many people at once. It was, like, and he had this core of him which he wanted to protect. And his job with Wheat Pace was he put up a piece. And it was kind of fun just hanging out with him, like, while he was putting it up. That was fascinating on its own. But then what he'd do was he'd put it up. And then he would just hang out incognito on the other side of the street. And watch people? And he'd just watch people. Oh, that's nice. And he'd I listen like to that. their conversations. And he felt like it was a way of having a conversation with a whole bunch of people all at once. You know? Candid. It, they're honest, too, you know? Yes. Yeah. You know? And it was like, you know, it was in the whole thing about, like, you know, his art was, was a lot of time. It, the, the, the message was kind of ambiguous. And that was the point. It was to sort of provoke a conversation. It was to sort of... You know, it was to sort of just just to see what had happened again. It was like to me, it was felt almost scientific. Like it was like an experiment that it was running. Absolutely, that was yeah. super cool. Yeah, you know? and that's that's one of the things that I feel like really good art does is, is that it sort of pokes you a little bit and makes you think. And it doesn't necessarily have a strong message in particular. It just sort of prods you. 
Mm, we can, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I like to tell people artists are masters of nuance. Right. So there's like all these little kind of bits of information he's getting from them, you know? And then over time, they all add up to like a big snowball of something. Totally. You always want to just like, it's like kind of like, hey, open up your brain. Let me look inside real quick. Yeah. And um, ambiguity also like kind of, uh, I, 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 make, I make stuff <laughs> like that. So yeah. it kind of... Um, it makes people kind of like want to try to figure out if it's the right imagery. Yeah. It makes people kind of like spin the gears a bit. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I kind of, I kind of love that moment when you make something and you make it ambiguous, and someone gets a little bit mad. <laughs> they sort of yeah. like, but what does it mean? Tell me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Kinda like, no, you got to figure it out for yourself. Yeah, tell it's me, like, daddy, please. But when they get mad, that's when they're engaging, and I feel like yeah. that, that's that threshold between. Yeah. There's that moment, you know, that, that that delicate moment between sort of like understanding and not, you know, and mm. because like all of a sudden, because they because it's provoked them to feel something. Yeah. And if it is being mad, then there, yeah. there's an opportunity there to sort of like engage them a little bit. And I feel like it's another thing where I feel like I'm not saying all good art has to be provocative, but a lot of good art is. Yeah. Where it sort of like prods you a little bit and makes you think, you know, and it's not it's not trying to sort of. It's, it's not trying to make you feel a particular way. It's not even sort of saying that you should feel this way. Mm. It's just trying to make you alive. Yeah, I feel like it's like these kind of people, like the, they're like these dim flickering lights walking down the street, and they look, and they start lighting up, and they're like, hey, stop it. I'm scared, <laughs> you know? Um, but I think if people, you know, you can't, you can't, it's, there's no way to perfectly, you know, get everyone to do that, but no, some people not. do. And hopefully it makes their life better in some sort of way. <laughs> hopefully. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm super delighted to meet you, Dave. Yeah, nice meeting I'm you. I'm glad to know you're in my neighborhood. <laughs> yes. I finally met a neighbor that was nice to me. This is great. It's wonderful. That's slightly concerning, but okay. Put a good word out. Yeah. Don't stab David's tires. That was artist Botik Joshi and David Brooks. We're going to take a little break from putting out new episodes over the holidays but we'll reissue some of our greatest hits of 2018 during that time. And please check back in January when you'll hear from poster artist Lil Tuffy. Music for the podcast is by Otis McDonald, a.k.a. Joe Bigale. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Follow Storied San Francisco on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to like, share, and comment on our work. All 54 episodes are up on our website, storiedsf.com. If you're still looking for gifts for friends and family, We've got Storied SF hats, t-shirts, and koozies in the store on our website. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Send comments or suggestions to storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and happy holidays. Happy holidays.